Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Hello there, Penn State football fans. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Daniel Gallen. Blue White Breakdown podcast time. We purposefully delayed the timing of this one. We usually do a little bit earlier, but we both we knew there was going to be some news about Penn State's 2022 schedule uh, coming at noon. Uh, the news is out there. We're going to talk about the revised schedule, a lot about that. We're going to talk about the possibility that Penn State might play Thursday night at Purdue because even though it's listed as Saturday now, things are always open to change. One of uh, Penn State's transfer portal gets Mitchell Tinsley, I think has officially been added to the Penn State roster. Daniel has some info on the January enrollees. I thought there was going to be 10, but I guess there's only nine. We'll get to who's missing and why he's not there. But Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? I know you got to get, you got to watch the Penn State Hoops team last night. Off to a pretty good start in the Big Ten. Did a number on Rutgers. Dave was all set to talk about Micah Shrewsbury yesterday, uh, but then he realized that there was going to be a Penn State game like three hours after he said something. So we wisely held back. It sounds like Mike is off to a pretty good start. Would you agree or no? Yeah, definitely. Uh, last night's win, I think I worded it a couple times and stuff that I've written as, as pretty decisive. Um, they gaffed Rutgers early, kept them at arm's length, and then pulled away late. And, I mean, it was probably about as complete a performance um, as we've seen from them this year. A lot of good individual performances. Like, I wrote about this morning on penlive.com, uh, Sam Sessoms, uh, the sixth man out of, uh, from Philadelphia, he had right. zero points on Saturday, played only seven minutes, fewest minutes he's ever played in his career across Binghamton and Penn state. He comes back, drops 17. Uh, Seth Lundy did a number, um, on Ron Harper jr. From Rutgers, Jalen Pickett, the transfer from Siena has been probably Penn state's best player this year and everyone showed up. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was like, there's some entertaining basketball. There are a couple stretches that uh, when it's a Penn State Rutgers basketball game, you know, sometimes it'll be a little uh, yeah. dicey, but it, it was a good night. So it's going to be an interesting uh, next two months or so. Yeah. Dave uh, did talk briefly about Penn State and regarding the Pickett kid, I believe it was Pickett. He compared him to Earl of Pearl Monroe. Uh, and a couple things stand out to me about that. Number one, that is an aged reference because that guy was good. And I think in the, in the early to mid 70s. So I'm pretty sure Penn State basketball fans don't know what the hell he was talking about. But that's also a pretty lofty standard because he's one of the great uh, ball handling guards in NBA history. So I thought maybe let's pump the brakes. Let's let the kid breathe a little bit. I don't know how you feel about that, Daniel, but I'll be I'll be watching 
uh, young Mr. Pickett closely now that Dave has dropped that reference. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, up to date on my uh, Earl Monroe film. Uh, that, that wasn't really part of my childhood uh, basketball diet. But I mean, if, if Dave sees it, uh, I guess Dave sees it. Um, he's watched Dave's a lot never more. Wrong. Dave's he's never watched... wrong, Daniel. That's the first thing you need to know. He's watched a lot more basketball than I know, me, but I know. he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. <laughs> uh, but but Jalen Pickett, I mean, he's one of those kids where you, you look at his stat line at the end of the game and it'll be like 15, 8, and 6. And you're kind of like, oh, that was yeah. like kind of quiet. But he's really gotten confident. He hit like a 30-foot three-pointer at the end of the shot clock. Uh, I think he was on like on the Bryce Jordan Center court where it says we are. I think he was almost on the W, um, which was a, a pretty impressive shot. So um, he's good. To, he's fun to watch. Uh, Matt Painter, their Purdue coach, had a lot of nice things to say about him after Saturday's game. And I mean, he was a star at Siena. I think he was the Mac with two A's, uh, rookie of the year as a freshman. He was the player of the year uh, as a sophomore. Um, I think he dealt with some playing time stuff last year as a junior, but he's come in and he's really, really settled in. And it's kind of like what we talked about with uh, some of these football players, like Arnold Evichetti. You're making that step up right, uh, in right. competition, going from Arnold went from the AAC to the Big Ten, uh, Jalen Pickett going from the MAC with two A's to the, like to the Big Ten, and he's really kind of embraced that, and he's he's been thriving after a bit of a slow start. I mean, he's been their most consistent player. Speaking of Purdue, because like you did, you did kind of set me up nice there. <laughs> Let's go into Penn State's uh, revised schedule. We'll, we'll just go month by month. We'll go, we'll take them in four game increments and see what we think. So as of right now, the Penn state is still on track for a September 3rd game at Purdue. They were nine and four last year. One of the most improved teams in the big 10, September 3rd at Purdue, September 10th home against the Ohio Bobcats, the Ohio Bobcats from the Mac, you know, Mac with one a September 17th. They return the home and home favor. They go to Auburn. Auburn was six and seven uh, last year. They played some tough teams uh, in the SEC. They gave Penn State all they wanted at Beaver Stadium. That's still going to be a game I think the Penn State fans are going to have circled. That is September 17th. And then September 24th, uh, they are scheduled to close September with a home game against Central Michigan, a team that went nine and four uh, last season. So, Daniel, those are the first four. Obviously, you look at two of the first three games on the road against talented teams and Purdue, you know, Jeff Brom is a talented coach. I said to Dave, I think a lot of America is going to be fascinated by that game because it's the first ever pairing of two 35 year old starting quarterbacks, uh, Sean Clifford and Aiden O'Connell. I think, I don't think it's ever happened in NCAA history. So history will be made at Purdue one way or the other. Uh, but just your thoughts on the first four games, a potentially rough rough start for Penn State. Maybe not. We thought it would be a rough start in 2021. They opened at Wisconsin, then they had to host Auburn two weeks later. Just your thoughts on September, and then we'll get into maybe the possibilities that the Purdue game might be a Thursday game. Yeah, I think the the thing that stands out to me off the off the bat is the fact that you have those two tough games uh, in the first three weeks, uh, both on the road with with Purdue um, and Auburn, and but then I just kind of think about last year where the whole thing was. <laughs> All right, they have this really tough start to the year. Obviously, the dynamic is a, little, is a little different because they had Auburn at home, but also Ball State was in there, and Ball State was coming off a big year. They had a bunch of guys back. Um, Ohio isn't quite in the same situation. That program's in a little bit of transition based on when Frank Solich retired last year. Mm-hmm. Purdue is kind of a wild card to me. Um, I mean, they were kind of a, a very 
quiet nine and four, I guess, because I mean, they had those big wins, um, but those were definitely tempered by some of those bad losses. And it didn't necessarily feel like kind of the, the arrival of Purdue. I think that a couple of years ago when they had the big upset over Ohio state and Rondale Moore went off, that felt like, Oh, Jeff Brom has arrived. <clears throat> Purdue has arrived. And they followed that up with a, I think I just pulled it up a four and eight season, then a two and four season last year. So it is pretty interesting to kind of see, all right, are they going to keep that kind of trajectory up? Can they keep yeah. going? Um, obviously getting the quarterback back for a sixth year, um, that definitely helps, uh, you know, in terms of continuity and kind of keeping that thing going. So Purdue's interesting. I'd have to look a little bit more deeper into who they've lost, who else they have coming mm-hmm. back. Um, I mean, they're losing that talented defensive end, uh, Carl Loftus, um, who was one of the, the best players, yeah. defensive players in the Big Ten. I think that people have been kind of waiting for Jeff Brom to kind of kick that into gear and get it uh, consistently as a bowl team. We thought that might be happening a couple of years ago, but I think that this will this opener could go a long way towards Purdue proving that that's going to happen this year. Yeah, and I think also that Auburn game, um, just, just remembering that game uh, at Beaver Stadium last year, 28-20 final, Auburn had, was driving late. Um, Tank Bigsby caused them all the running back for Auburn who's coming back gave Penn State's defense with a lot of good players all kinds of problems that looks like to me a, a real down to the wire game at best for Penn State and the other thing is the the, the thing about September is with the with the tough open Dave and I were talking last week uh, last episode about maybe hey if you're if you're James Franklin and Mike Yersich how are you going to handle the young quarterbacks especially with the tough first month of the season I mean, it sure sets up for Sean Clifford to begin the season as starter, but I just hope if that is the case, now that he's going to be in his sixth year, Daniel, I just hope that they give the young quarterbacks plenty of room to kind of maneuver, especially in spring, not so much in August, because it's really about getting ready for Purdue uh, and the early part of the schedule. But I, they, they just need to find out some more things about the, the, the depth chart because they're so young two true freshmen, a second-year player. We all know what happened last year when they had Clifford get hurt, and they just were completely not ready for the Iowa env- environment with Taquan Roberson. I just think they have to approach it a little bit differently. But, Daniel, when you have a schedule like that that's kind of front-loaded with some tough road games, as, as much as you would like it to be an open quarterback competition, I don't know how you don't say that, that Sean's got to be the heavy favorite maybe to open the year as a starter. I think that Clifford will be the starter in week one. Honestly, I would not be surprised if he's still the starter in week 13 by the end of the season. I mean, he's a six-year guy. It'll be his second year in the system. He's experienced. Um, Obviously, the dynamic is interesting with those young quarterbacks because you want to keep them around for as long as possible. (laughs) Um, But I think that the big thing is going to be how they treat that Ohio game and that Central Michigan game. Right. Because we talked about this with the Ball State game and the Villanova game where it kind of felt like that they were in the offense was in a little bit longer than that felt that like our internal clocks were like a possession earlier than James Franklin's. That's correct. And I mean, you understand it from his end where you want it to be completely out of reach, like definitively. But I think that that kind of cost Roberson and they, you some chances. So, you know, it's too early to kind of say like, Oh, well, you know, maybe you, you alternate series in the second half or or something like that. Or as soon as you get up by 21 points, you, you know, you put the bubble wrap on Clifford and then, then see what happens. Um, But one of the more like wild card things about the schedule to me is what you're going to get out of Northwestern 
um, yeah. in that week five spot. Cause that was one of the, that's the, I guess the big switch uh, in the schedule, Illinois is off the schedule. Northwestern's on and that Illinois game was supposed to be the 15th of October. And now the Northwestern game is the first Northwestern was bad last year, really bad, especially down the stretch. So, but at the same time, <laughs> within the last four years, they have two big 10 West titles and two nine loss seasons. So is this going to be a big yeah, 10 West? Year. If Northwestern is kind of the Northwestern that lost six games to close the year, maybe you get a little bit of a, of a, of a reprieve and a bonus, kind of like what that Indiana game was, except maybe Northwestern is yeah. not as, as good, even yeah. though that Indiana team was, you know what I mean? Maybe right, there's yeah. more of an opportunity to get in early. So that's obviously looking far in advance, but I think kind of like what you talked about with this offseason and the spring one, I mean, the biggest thing that I want to know is how are you going to handle the quarterbacks that's differently than last year? So that a, if they, needs to play right away, assuming he's the number two, he's ready. And that B, if those freshmen at drew Aller or Bo Perbula, if they need to come in, are they yeah. ready? You know, will they just crumble like Taquan Roberson did against Iowa, or can you at least get to some sort of baseline competency from them? Yeah. Let's go back to the opener real quick and doing your due diligence and researching that big 10 slate early that, that weekend, everyone, everyone right now in this big 10 release is scheduled to play on September 3rd. Now they're going to have a game on, they're going to have a game on Thursday, right? Last year, I believe Ohio state played at Minnesota Mm -hmm. in that season opening slot. They've also opened it on Thursday nights before Ohio state has, you know, I would think looking at the schedule, um, you looked at some of the other potential games, but, you know, Purdue, Penn State, that's a pretty good uh, Big Ten matchup for a Thursday night game. And I think that's what I think if it's going to be a Thursday night game, it's probably going to be a conference game. So are there any other possibilities that you see that they could go with other than Penn State at Purdue? So the game if they move, it would be September 1st. Yeah. So in week one, the only other uh Big Ten conference game is Illinois, Indiana. Illinois is playing Wyoming in week zero, uh, the week before. Uh, so I, you know, they wouldn't go Saturday, Thursday. I don't think weirder things have happened with scheduling. Um, but then the only other kind of power five on power five games um in, in week one for the Big Ten are Rutgers, Boston College, and Ohio State, Notre Dame. Obviously, that second one, that's gonna yeah. be your your noon or, you know, maybe your noon kick on Fox, or I don't know if they already have the slot for it, but that's, that's a Saturday game. That's not moving. I think Rutgers was actually supposed to open against Temple on Thursday last year, but then the storm came through and flooded the the Rutgers campus. So they moved it Uh, to Saturday. I think Fox has the big 10 package. So you look at the one logical uh, big 10 game for that Thursday night. Um, Obviously these TV contracts can be a little confusing. Um, but I think that that's kind of the, it wouldn't be a surprise. And uh, Blue White Illustrated over at On3 has, has reported that despite the, the revised schedule being as it is now, that, that that's still in play. And Daniel, let's be honest, if it's Fox and it's going to be a primetime Thursday night game, there's no shot. It's going to see, no one wants to see a 9-6 game. No one wants to see Boston College 9, Rutgers <laughs> 6. Or you can reverse it. That would be a terrible idea. I think it's going to have to be Penn State at Purdue, the matchup of the veteran quarterbacks, possibly. Definitely one, Aiden O'Connell, and I'm pretty sure Sean Clifford's going to be the guy. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. 
Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's flip it to October. You mentioned October 1st. Penn State is home against Northwestern. October 8th is going to be their bye week, and I think it's significant because of who they play the following week. They play at Michigan, at Michigan on October 15th, so they'll have their bye before that game. But this is also the start of a pretty tough stretch in October. October 15th at Michigan, October 22nd at home against the Minnesota team that went 9-4, and and oh, by the way, their offensive coordinator – might have a score to settle with James Franklin and Penn State. Kirk Shiraka has been <laughs> reunited, uh, I think, with P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. So I know mm-hmm. we're going to be hyping that up on October 22nd. And then after Minnesota, so at Michigan, Minnesota, and then October 29th, they host the Buckeyes and that loaded, loaded offense. And we'll see what their defense looks like with Jim Knowles, the proven defensive coordinator, uh, running that show, but that's a pretty challenging. And if Northwestern bounces back, you're absolutely right. That's a brutal month. That could be a brutal month for Penn State. And I think that we're going to know a lot, a lot about uh, where this Penn State team is after that October 29th game. Yeah, I was really kind of taken with this, looking at this October, um, especially compared to the what the October was supposed to be before, um, where originally it was going to be. Michigan, Ohio State, or maybe I'm flipping the order, but they had Michigan and Ohio State back to back on the first and the eighth, Illinois on the 15th, then the bye week. Then I think Michigan State after the bye, which obviously that's brutal, but the bye week is in there and it breaks it up. Like, I think that you look at Penn State's schedule in, uh, in 2021, the bye week was week, was week seven. So it set up perfectly where you had six games break, six games Granted, you were still backloaded with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State uh, in that final six, but they were spread out with a a different game in between each, which very helpful. Look at this schedule. Obviously, you get Ohio State and Michigan split up, which is good for you. But in the middle, you have Minnesota. And the fact that you have Minnesota or Michigan was number one in the Big Ten in rushing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you have Minnesota, who was number three in the Big Ten in rushing. They're going to have Mo Ibrahim back uh, next year. Uh, and then you have Ohio State after that. Um, mm-hmm. That could be a pretty, a pretty gassed team uh, by the time you get to Halloween, which yeah. I think would be, it would be a pretty interesting uh, dynamic there. And then, you know, spinning ahead after that, obviously you get a little reprieve, but at the same time, you don't actually know how much of one it'll be based on how those other Big yeah. Ten East programs, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, um, they're all kind of wild cards in my opinion. You make some good points, especially about the running games of Michigan and Minnesota. But if you're a glass half full kind of guy, let's say Penn State comes out of October. They get the job done somehow early in September and they're like six and two. Penn State, say, say they lose to Ohio State, which is a pretty, it's not exactly a bold prediction. And, at, you know, at Michigan, it's going to be, even with Michigan losing those two great edge rushers and some other players and Hassan Haskins. They still have a lot of talent. Who knows who the head coach will be at this as we talk about this? <laughs> they, if they're six and two, Daniel, you know, there's that that November stretch with at Indiana, Maryland at home, at Rutgers, uh, and then Michigan State, you know, that's gonna be at Beaver Stadium to close the season on November 26th. 
That's one where if they're six and two, you could say, hey, it would not be surprising uh, if Penn State got to double digit wins in the regular season. It's it's a big ask because I think it is a challenging schedule, especially uh, with some of those road games for sure. But Daniel, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to be the voice of optimism for the Penn State fans after they just watched this team lose six of their final eight. What do you think about the November stretch and the possibility that Penn State could actually use November as a springboard to a really nice season? Yeah, I think that that's kind of what what you hope for is that you hope to get to November 1st and still be in contention. Um, and you hope that there's some attrition uh, on the other side of things um, where other teams are playing each other, cannibalizing, um, and then that kind of helps you uh, move up. But yeah, I mean, if you're six and two going into that stretch and you can get wins over those teams, I mean, obviously that's no guarantee. Maryland and Penn State finished with the same record this year. Uh, Rutgers was pretty bad when Penn State played them last year. But with Shiano, Greg Shiano, I mean, there's there's a level of competency there that if they can get at least average to above average quarterback play, there might be something there. Um, and, and then Indiana, who knows um, after how how poorly last season went. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you get to those games, you have the opportunity to stack some wins, um, maybe make a move in the standings. And then I think that's great that the Michigan State game is the finale now because I think it's more likely that that game has postseason stakes than Penn State Rutgers would have. And you have kind of the the rivalry, the land-grant trophy rivalry game on, on the line the same day that that Michigan's playing Ohio State, all the other trophy games are happening. I think that that's something that could be that, that makes makes it a little bit more fun. Penn State might be jockeying for position, uh, depending on what happens with Michigan State. They could be jockeying for position. What happens in that uh, Michigan Ohio State game could impact uh, postseason picture for for both Penn State and Michigan State. So it sets up for a potentially fun ending. It might not feel fun when you get to November first, uh, based on how the schedule sets up, but. Yeah. I think that they, they could close well. Um, and I think that's kind of what you, what you have to hope for almost. They better close well is what I would, I would say if you're uh, James Franklin and Penn State and you got that contract under contract through 2031 and you're 11 and 11 in your last two years, I think you need to close well. All right, it's the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Daniel Gallon and Bob Flounders. Let's, let's wrap her up, Daniel, with some news involving some new players. Mitchell Tinsley uh, from Western Kentucky is, uh, I believe, officially now on the – uh, the Penn State roster. I think that's a really great acquisition for a team that's trying to replace Jahan Dotson. What a great year he had for Western Kentucky. Uh, made a huge jump. He's, it looks like he's a little bit bigger than Jahan Dotson. I'm not going to try and compare him to Jahan Dotson, but he looks like he's, they list him at 6'1", 205, something like that. So anyway, uh, very he did some good things. He also did some good things against Big Ten teams, which was encouraging to see that he's, he's actually played well last year, I think, against some pretty good competition. And then just your thoughts on the January enrollees. And specifically, I wanted to ask you, uh, a couple weeks ago, I thought there were going to be 10. I thought I saw something where you said they have nine. Is there Did somebody not decide not to come, or was there a mix-up, or what happened there? Uh, according to Lions 247, uh, Cam Miller, who's a, a four-star defensive right. back from, from Jacksonville, uh, he's just decided that he'll he'll enroll, enroll in May. Um, he's going to play in an, in an all-star game or that – I think is scheduled for this month or okay. I don't think it's happened yet, but I think that's just kind of a, uh, like a, a clerical decision, um, you know, depending on, on when you want to arrive. So mm-hmm. there's still 10 new guys when you count Mitchell Tinsley, um, which split up very nicely for, for five and five uh, to go through them. Yeah. I'm 
pretty excited to see what Mitchell Tinsley can do. 87 catches, 1,402 yards, 14 touchdowns in that Western Kentucky uh, offense last year. I mean, Bailey Zappi was a ton of fun to watch. Um, great highlight tape, the Western Kentucky quarterback. But I think Mitchell Tinsley, bringing him in from the portal, it's a great move. That Penn State wide receivers room, you return two or three starters uh, in Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith. Washington showed that he can be a, a number one, I think, in the bowl game. Lambert Smith just needs to work on that consistency. And I think kind of maybe being elevated in the pecking order will help. But after that, everyone else is just all potential. Obviously, there's been a lot of good things said about Malik Mega, um, and I tend to believe those things, but we haven't necessarily seen that yet. He has yeah. three catches. And then after that, Jaden Dotton, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace the third. Um, and then Caden Saunders and Omari Evans are the two early enrollees uh, at wide receiver. I think Saunders probably is the best shot um, of any of the freshmen to, to contribute. So I think Tinsley coming in is is good um, to have on top of the depth chart. He slots in as one of your your top three. And I think that he'll have plenty of chances to, to make some plays and really help alleviate losing some of that dots in production. I mean, you can't replace all of it, but I think that he's a, a good candidate to come in and I don't know, 40 catches, something like that. I'm sure it'll be seamless, but I think it's a very interesting winner for Penn State football because the January enrollees, it's a nice size number that are coming in. Tinsley's coming in. You got a lot of young players coming back. And this will be the first year of strength and conditioning not being supervised by Dwight Galt, I believe. He is now, he is, I mean, I, I think that the team was kind of ready for this to happen and it's not really, didn't catch them off guard, but he and James Franklin have been together for such a long time. You just wonder if, this, if there's going to be any changes at all done. Will it, will, will it be a lot of the same things? Because if you want to try and connect the dots specifically, you're wondering maybe about the offensive line and whether or not they can get maybe a little bit bigger a little bit stronger, a little bit more physical. Same goes for the running backs, not named Kevon Lee. I just think that that was a consistent issue. And I just wonder with winter conditioning this, this time around and no Deej, how this team will come out of winter conditioning. Uh, what do you think? It's going to be really interesting to hear from the veteran players uh, throughout the spring in terms of how this is different, what's changing. Multiple outlets have reported that Chuck Losey or Lucy. Um, who's been Dwight Galt's assistant um, for most of his time, if not all of his time at Penn State, is the, the leading candidate. And, and this is a, a job where, um, a position where I think you want to keep as much continuity yeah. as possible just because the strength coach gets the most access to the players during the offseason um, based on how the NCAA rules are set up. So I think you want to keep your continuity here because Penn State has a good thing going uh, when it comes to strength and conditioning, I think, overall. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see those areas, um, offensive line, the running backs, I mean, even the defensive line, because you need some of those younger guys, some of those younger defensive tackles, some of those defensive ends, you need them to take big steps forward physically, um, in their second and third and fourth year, you need to kind of see them ready to be physically ready to contribute. 100% agree with you. Is there anything on your recruiting calendar in the next uh, few weeks? I think that it'll be these junior days. It's going to be a lot of highly coveted kids coming on campus. Um, there's already six commits in that class of 2023. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, if the ball really gets rolling this winter and, and how that can carry over into the, the spring and the summer as Penn State tries to duplicate uh, a lot of their success from last year. All right, Daniel, we're going to wrap this up then. It's been another 
fun chat with you. We talked a little hoops. We talked about the Penn State schedule. We talked about January minus Dwight Galt, the January enrollees. Um, and Daniel knows better than anyone when you think things are going to quiet down on the Penn State football front, the exact opposite happens. So I'm pretty sure next week we'll probably have about 18 things to talk about that we really weren't planning on talking about. But that's just make it, that's what makes it fun. Uh, the transfer portal's always on. You know, things are always going to be cooking on that uh, front as well. They've been relatively quiet. I think that's about to change. So, Daniel, continue covering Penn State basketball. Stay warm up there. You said you and Daniel are going to have a podcast a little bit later in the week. Penn State fans, make sure you check that out. But that's it for Daniel and myself, and we will be back to chat with you uh, around the middle of next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>